0: The following presentation is brought to you by The Realm Network, The Bob Seska Show Presented by BubbleGenius.com
1: Hey folks, Bob here with this week's Bubble Genius Showcase item of the Week If the Twitter toddler in the White House has you completely stressed out Head on over to BubbleGenius.com and pick up their exclusive Republican voodoo doll Featuring the face and body of our cartoon dictator This item is only available for a limited time, so get yours now. Only $25 at BubbleGenius.com, with a third of the proceeds going to support the campaigns of resistance candidates across the country. Plus, if you use our promo code BOBC at checkout, you'll get 15% off your entire order only at BubbleGenius.com. And now, let the cartoons begin.
0: Broadcasting from Resistance Headquarters. Relentlessly fighting back against the clown dictator and his regime of deplorables. Never give up, never surrender. This is... Is the Bob Seska Show Presented by BubbleGenius.com
2: Want to take it from the top? Yeah, let's try it
3: He will rock you He will roll you Baby, don't you know My heat will move your soul on, come on, come on. Love me today. Love me tomorrow.
0: All day, all night, you feel my
3: heat. Feel, 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 feel my heat. I think we should repeat that again. Feel, 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 feel. Feel my heat. Feel my heat. Yeah, it's definitely cool. Let's lay it down. Nick? You wanna lay it down? We rolling on the rehearsal. Bob Seska! Bob
1: Seska. You really are sick. The Bob Seska Show! the shittiest week off I've ever had. Yeah, not bad. Hey, look, it's TV's Buzz Burbank right over there. Hi, thank you, Bob. It's good to be back. It's good to talk to you. I'm glad you're in good shape, I think. I guess all things considered, I I hadn't intended to take a week off, although there was a series of events that just stacked up from last Friday Mm -hmm. uh, uh, until the following Friday. It was just a Friday-to-Friday hellscape, and it started with... Uh, A major computer meltdown.
0: Right. Which, I remember that, which could have been the least of our problems.
1: Well, for some reason, I just couldn't st- start up my computer. I would turn it on, it would get halfway there, and it would just stop. It was coitus mm. interruptus for my computer boot process. <laughs> and uh, you, as you you could say that my computer was cockblocked somehow by some unforeseen thing that I have no understanding. I, in a million years, I will never understand what... Oh, clearly, clearly it's the Russians. <laughs> That's right. It's Roger Stone was hacking my computer for some reason. God damn it! And uh, and and so then I was like, oh, this is the worst thing in the world. And then, then two days later, the worst thing in the world actually happened. It puts I know it it puts everything into perspective the fact that uh, there was this unpredictable. I wouldn't say naturally occurring event because, from what I understand, yeah, Yeah. I mean, we don't know. I mean, from what I understand, uh, some of the rumors going around is that it was a down power line uh, that's set off the fire east of Santa Rosa up in the hills by this place called Safari West. That I had no idea it even existed, Buzz. There's a, there's a, uh, like an exotic animal zoo up in the hills somewhere. Uh. And right around there, that's where the fire started. And because of the Diablo winds, because of the devil winds in California, right. 75 mile an hour wind gusts up to 80 miles an hour in some places just drove that fire straight down and across uh, through Santa Rosa, through the residential areas where, you know, typically, you know, in Southern California, I'm sure, you know, Buzz, those fires, Mm -hmm. they they kind of the the standard operating procedure for them is they they stay up in the hills. They're ordered to stay up there. The memo goes out. All fires stay in the hills. Don't touch the homes. Sometimes they reach some outlying areas. But right. Well, they generally
0: stop when they get to pavement and buildings and and you know brick build stone buildings that sort of thing. Yeah, where when there's theoretically nothing to burn, and this fire was very unusual uh, that Santa Rosa would be swept by it uh, in spite of being one of those usually protected urban areas.
1: Yeah, that was so strange as when it came right down into the neighborhoods and it was jumped over the uh, the one hundred and one freeway, it jumped over bodies of water, creeks, and so forth. There were embers of the fire that they they said, the San Francisco Chronicle reported, that there were embers that flew a mile ahead of the fire. I believe
0: that, and I believe that. And normally when we think of wind aggravating fire, we think of it causing to sweep across the ground. But the winds were so fierce in this instance uh, that uh, an ember or embers— could literally be carried great distances—the uh, mile you cited—and yeah. uh, and start and actually it hopped and skipped its way across and and then the fires connected along the way.
1: Yeah, they, basically the fire was airborne. So what people right. were doing is they were taking their hoses and spraying down the roofs of their houses before mm-hmm. the fire mm-hmm. actually arrived. And most of the properties that I saw burn, um, outside of the big neighborhoods that were burned down, some of the uh, business properties. They were all burned from the top down. The fires were all on the roofs of the businesses, like the the Trader right. Joe's and the Mexican restaurant there, and, and right. Kmart burned down. There was an Applebee's and a McDonald's and an Arby's that I saw that it all burned, and it did seem like they burned from the top down, which is that yeah, it, that, and that's why I've been calling this not a wildfire, but uh-huh. a but a fire storm because yes, it, oh absolutely, it, it more resembled a weather event than it did a fire event, and and you know what else I I discovered is that. I learned what it must feel like to be in the path of an advancing army, to be in the middle of a war zone, to be in some place yep. like Belgium or France during World War II. As this, as you, you know, it was almost like with the orange glow and knowing that the fire was on the horizon and coming our way, it was almost like there was an army just advancing over the hills, and you never knew where they were going to sweep through your neighborhood and kill everybody. Right. And uh, a, ne- a nearly
0: unstoppable army for a while. yes yeah. it's been uh, more contained now, thankfully. Yep. But uh, it just—it's horrifying. And I understand. Maybe you said this. I know others have
1: that. Looking at that was like uh, staring into hell. It was. It was literally that. I mean, and and also there was just this surreal quality. So along the lines of seeing that orange glow in the sky and seeing it mm. get brighter and brighter as the minutes and hours wore on. It happened in the middle of the night, and, and you have to imagine. And we've all been there at one point or another, whether it was just right. a fire alarm or some other alarming event that goes off at three o'clock, three thirty in the morning, when you're just in the dead of sleep. So you wake up, and you're in this crisis, and you you're trying to figure out: Is this real? Am I <laughs> am I dreaming this? Right. How yeah. do I react? What do I do? What it, do I do? Yeah, yeah. yeah that's exactly it. what do I do? So, I mean, the first thing I did. Was I tried to check out any official source because of course there were people here in my apartment complex just utterly panicking and knocking on doors sure. and, and bugging out of the neighborhood, which ultimately was probably the smart thing to do because i uh, from what I understand, I think the fire was moving at something like two hundred and thirty feet per second at one point. Wow. That was the official word from the San Francisco Chronicle in this epic report they did about the, uh, about the fire, summarizing every step of the way. 230 feet per second. They said that there were small animals, chickens, cats, things like that, that were just overtaken by the fire before they could get out of the way. Yeah, so there were just like charred corpses left standing there as the fire just swept across, and it was... Tr- truly unprecedented i mean i I've been through a couple of fires in my life this was something where even though nothing of mine burned and ultimately we weren't the fire came within a, a few miles of us but it, it wasn't like it was at our doorstep some of the neighborhoods south of us were were much worse hit but right. even still it felt like we you know we we experienced that sense of losing everything because you never knew when it was actually going to happen, like when because it was so unpredictable and the winds were so crazy and it was and it was spreading around everywhere. You figured, well, it's only a matter of time before that fire just sweeps across and takes all of our stuff, too. And, and it's a
0: very personal thing. I was thinking yeah. about, you know, nine uh, eleven. as focused as that attack was on the Twin Towers in New York. New Yorkers were saying to each other, "Look what they've done to our city." Yeah, and and then I imagine that for Santa Rosa. And this morning, I, I was thinking about you know how it'd feel if it were my town, and I love my town. Yeah. I'm trying to imagine what it would be like to see my town, large parts of it just erased, just yeah. just just a flat field of ash. And and, uh, you know, I can't I can't even imagine what that would be like to be under attack as you're describing it and then to see the aftermath. And that's your town that maybe you kind of like, you know, that's that's got to be that's got to be really tough.
1: Yeah. And I've been through, you know, I've been through something similar, as I said, but there was nothing like this. I mean, I've been in Los Angeles when there were wildfires off in the hills. um, But this was a this was a brand new experience. This was unique insofar as this is the sort of thing that doesn't happen on the East Coast where I, where I grew up and where I lived for uh, most of my adult life. Uh, this doesn't happen in the South. It certainly doesn't happen in places like Hawaii, although in Hawaii there are earthquakes and there are, in some places, lava flows. But people avoid those areas. There are many populated areas down where the lava is flowing in Hawaii. So, um in in that sense this was something that you don't i mean i personally not being a native of california don't know immediately how to handle a, a yeah, i wouldn't
0: i <laughs> i wouldn't know that would be so foreign to me but then hurricanes were foreign to me also and and i would point out that the east coast does have those especially yeah. florida and and louisiana and and Even uh, the mid-Atlantic coast up around D.C., uh, you know, those areas are also subject to to horrifying things. The difference is I have thought about the differences and similarities about what you and I have recently been through. And yours, of course, is in magnitude uh, many times greater or worse, uh, I guess, a better choice of words. But we both have go bags now. (laughs) Uh, and and yeah. the the point is that everybody lives somewhere that has some risk. I grew up in mm. Kansas, the heart of Tornado Alley. Dorothy, Auntie M. Oh yeah, uh, and, God, and, yeah, and, that's and, right. Yeah, you know. So every place has something. California has a few. My the favorite monologue joke I ever heard Johnny Carson tell. My favorite <laughs> is I have good news. The mudslides are putting out the fires.
2: <laughs> and
0: right. and and that for, you know that for California, that's. That's a good thing, and there's the earthquakes and everything. so. But every place has its uh, disadvantages. Yeah. I grew up in Kansas, you know, like I said, Tornado Alley. They're now in Earthquake Alley, thanks to adjacent Oklahoma, oh, where Jesus. fracking runs amok. Right. Kansas never used to have earthquakes. Now yeah. they have them. 3.5s all the time. Yep. You know, so, yeah, every place is perilous, but I can't imagine, you know, that one of the differences between what I went through and what you went through is I had, like, a week's notice. My first thought was, what do I do? But then I, I had, like, five or six days to actually do those things. When the fire is coming at, what you say, 230 feet per second, <laughs> you don't have a lot of time to make those decisions. No. So I, I can't imagine. And, and and I'm so glad you're okay, and so are uh, so many of the people listening and the people online, our friends on social media, uh, have been very concerned about you, and we're all just very relieved that you're okay. And, and we thank you for your uh your uh, Herculean reports during yeah. uh, the, the aftermath of that.
1: Well, yeah, and I do want to thank everybody who wrote to me and all of the uh, the the outreach that I got. I mean, you know, everyone uh, uh, offering me to to stay in their homes and things like that. I mean, I didn't need that ultimately, but it was so nice to know. I mean, uh, uh, Roxanne Cooper who's the editor-in-chief of Raw Story, uh, mm-hmm. sent me a note saying, you know, I, I, I live very close to you. Why don't you come down and stay in our house? Another guy said, well, I'm going nice. to be away for the, for the week. Why don't you, you and Kimberly can come stay at our place for the entire week and we won't even be there. We'll just leave the back, they left the back door open for us so we could just go into a stranger's house. That's another similarity. I observed
0: it here and I know you've noted it there and that is uh, people really do become one, really do become a community. In a situation like this. You you gave many examples of people helping out other people. I you, you bought what, coffee or donuts or something for some first responders, I understand. Yeah. But it wasn't but it wasn't just you. Everybody I mean, so many people, nearly everybody, was doing that kind of thing. And that really pulls a community together. When we're all uh, down here filling sandbags together, you know you <laughs> right. it it it, it you, and you do things for other people you bring home extra sandbags for your neighbor, you know it's it's and, and and I've seen remarkable uh you know sacrifices here as well yep, but uh it is it is worth noting in this time of great political division oh, wow. uh, you know t- that uh, there are awful things like this that do
1: pull us together and Remind us that in the end we are one. Well, there was so, it was so nice to see yesterday. Buzz driving through town. I went down to uh, to actually pick up my computer. My computer <laughs> managed to get repaired last week. It was unbelievable. Right I, now in a strange conflict,
0: I'm sorry, people need to know this. In a strange conflicts of these stories, uh, you were worried about your computer, and then something worse happened—the fire. And then early in that uh, terror, <laughs> uh, one of the things that crossed your mind, I know, is that I uh, gosh, I hope it doesn't burn down the place that. Has my computer in it. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, You know, and 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 so it was weird how those two things came together. But I I just I'm sorry, I just had to interject that because I thought people (laughs) would be interested in that.
1: It was amazing that my computer was actually much closer to the fire than I was. My computer was inside the evacuation zone. It was surrounded on the north and the south by two separate fires at one point, one of which was closing in on where it was. Ultimately. They ended up getting the power back, I think, uh, Thursday or Friday at that shop. It's called Computers and More. I want to give them a plug. It's called Computers and More. It's on Route 12 in Santa Rosa. They do great work. I, in fact, I bought a laptop there uh, a few weeks ago. And, uh, in fact, Buzz's voice is coming through the laptop. I bought a Computers and More. And so uh, they managed to to come into work once the power was restored. They fixed my computer the same day, and it was ready yesterday morning for me to go and pick up. And one Excellent. of the, the great things about this sense of community that we're talking about now is that the spectacle driving through town was no longer the burnt houses and businesses and fields and vineyards. The spectacle is going intersection by intersection, uh, overpass by overpass, and seeing all of the thank you signs to the first responders, where Santa Rosens just came out and, and posted signs wherever they could to thank these 8,000-plus first responders who came from all over the state of California to fight this fire to ease and and help the lives of so many people, where there were people running around telling first responders, my house is on fire, can you save my house? And they would go up and then save the house. One of the most interesting and entertaining aspects of this whole thing, Buzz, and, and you'll get a kick out of this, was the fact that the FM radio stations here stayed on the air throughout the week, even though the fire came right up to their back door. Wow, as you know, in the age of radio consolidation, there are maybe five fM rock radio stations in the same building, different right. call letters, <laughs> different right. frequencies, probably the same ownership mm. and uh, And the fire did come right up to their back door and it was entertaining to hear these Rock DJs who rarely talk any longer than 30 seconds at most. Out of their element, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, being on the air for 30 hours at a stretch in some cases. And it was just, it was fun to hear localness again. Uh, where so much of what we do is national. Everything's about Trump and what happens in Washington and what's happening around the world. This was a case where we had, where, you know, and I'm sure this happens anywhere where there's a natural disaster. Houston was probably this way. I'm sure your your neighborhood was this way in Florida. And it, it was nice to know that there are people who are still focused on... The local scene, people who know which highways and which roads and which landmarks, where they are in the age of voice tracked radio, where some guy in Denver automation. Yeah, exactly. Where some guy in Denver is doing all of the, you know, all of the DJing for a radio station that he's never heard of before and never listened to. Or one.
0: Or one satellite show uh, does the afternoon show yeah. on two hundred radio stations, right. whatever it may be. Uh, yeah, and it puts a lot of people out of work, and and radio gets less local, and one of its original functions, uh, it, it really is still technically required by the FCC that a radio station serve the public interest. Yeah. Now that means that that can mainly mean entertaining them. Uh, it used to the radio stations used to as part of that public service requirement used to have to carry news as of the sorry to make it political but as of the Reagan administration that was deregulated and radio stations suddenly were not required to yeah. have news and and that put a lot of people out of work and also made radio less local and and so yeah something like this uh they have to acknowledge it and and sadly, and bless their hearts for trying these these rock DJs, but but uh, somehow somebody has to serve the community when the chips are down. That yeah
1: way. yeah, and of course there were many many moments, and I won't bore you with all of them, but there were many moments where you get you know a rock DJ who's uh, chain-smoking two packs a day, staying on the air for 30 hours at a stretch, and, and by the end, just in that, Larry King up for 30 consecutive nights, you know, pressure your on the is, fire. Your <laughs> boy is tired. <laughs> That's right. Your boy is tired after 30 consecutive hours on the air doing the fires. I have a half hour to go, and I'm going to do that half hour because I'm a pro. I'm a professional. Look it up in the book. I'm, I'm
0: reminded of a line from Orson Welles' War of the Worlds, uh, the the Halloween prank of the 1930s. Uh, and and uh, there's a reporter on a rooftop observing the giant Martian machines and the, and the <laughs> destruction. And the air is filled with smoke. And uh, coughing through his voice says, "I'll bring you these reports as long as I can talk and as long as I can see." And that's a, that, that was you know there used to be more of that kind of dedication, and yeah. we only see it. Snippets, sadly, by people who are not terribly qualified, uh, you know, at at times like this.
1: Yeah, yeah. But, you know, you mentioned uh, about politics a second ago, Buzz. And the one thing, the one big takeaway in all of this for me in terms of politics, apart from the fact that surely the climate crisis exacerbated all of this stuff, and and I'm sure we're going to hear from experts and, and climate scientists that, yeah, yeah, these wildfires, the fact that there were as many as. I believe, 28 wildfires up and down California all at the same time. And this one being, again, I, I hate to diminish it by calling it a wildfire because it was no mm-hmm. ordinary yeah, no, California wildfire.
0: Call it, call it a firestorm because that's what it was.
1: <laughs> yep. And But the thing is is that we just simply did not need Trump. We did not need Trump to talk about it. We didn't need Trump to, to come here and hurl fire extinguishers at our heads or whatever the hell he planned to do. We certainly didn't need Donald Trump putting together some sort of self-aggrandizing uh, uh, video montage set to the music of Lee Greenwood and i know you're grateful for
0: that yeah. uh but 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 i it gave me pause to think why and and the answer i came up with is that because trump doesn't care any more about california than he does about puerto rico that's right you know uh he knows he knows california hates him and so he hates california in return uh he he'd got nothing but grief in his mind he'd got nothing but grief for his handling of the other hurricanes, and mm-hmm. he deserves that grief for Puerto Rico, uh, it, it arguably did an okay job with, uh, with uh, the, the Texas and, and Florida hurricanes. Uh, but, but, you know, he, he didn't want to have to deal with that. And it was for a state he doesn't care about, and knows that if he did anything, it wouldn't matter anyway. Yep. And so, in in some ways, uh, so the good news is you were ignored by Trump. The bad news is you were ignored by Trump. <laughs> That's uh, right, right. You know. So, but but I, you know, I, I was struck by the reason I estimate uh, that he didn't talk about it, didn't go there. Uh, and you're right. It probably and you and you guys are doing okay on your own in the sense that a terrible thing has happened, but in terms of pulling together. In terms of uh, getting the numbers under control, uh, I think as we recorded this, correct me if this has been updated, but there were only about eighty-one people uh, still missing. Yep. That's good news. The bad news is those eighty-one uh, were likely swept up uh, in, in that in that firestorm that that uh, you described earlier as taking uh, trees and animals. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? cool. and so uh, I'm sure we've lost some that way too. But it, it probably is best that he stayed away. You guys seem to be doing okay I, I don't know what's going to be needed in terms of disaster relief I mean we're hearing uh, multi-billion dollar numbers uh, we'll have to see and we'll have to see where it comes from I I, I think that even if you didn't have Trump's interest in it, that, that Congress would at least be interested in helping to restore
1: all of this. Yeah, yeah. And certainly the economic relief is going to have to come because, I mean, we're talking yeah. about a major blow to a, a heavily touristy area, uh, yeah. as well as uh, thousands of homes, thousands of yeah. businesses. It's well, really going to yeah. drive down property values. It's going to drive down the economy right. in this area. And that's going to need some sort of support. But I think in the near term, mainly, given the fact that it was, and and this is just my sense of it, there was a palpable mm-hmm. sense of community where everyone was coming together, regardless of what their Twitter timelines say or who they right. voted for. And I think Trump coming here would have simply injected a, a political debate into the proceeding. And I don't think we needed yeah. that. Certainly not uh, here. And, and I imagine trump appearing anyplace else at this point i mean we have to p- p- readjust uh how we yeah. think about the presidency I, in in terms that, of a paradigm that's what i wanted to ask
0: you is uh, you, you think it best that he didn't come to california do you think it best Do you think it would have been better if he hadn't gone to the recent uh, the, the sites of the recent hurricanes
1: right I, you know i think there's a level let's be perfectly honest here i think there's a level of concern trolling when we talk about This particular president, now mind you, previous presidents have a positive impact when they go and visit because there are certain right. systems that they can engage at that point once they land on the ground and once they survey the devastation, they can uh, 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 allot certain resources to that area by observing it and declaring it a disaster area and, and bringing in FEMA and bringing in all kinds of new... and Yeah, and also to provide comfort and leadership. Yes. And,
0: <laughs> yeah, And this president doesn't do that. No, he absolutely doesn't. He doesn't
1: do anything other than to go down there and, and create more material that he can post on his Twitter feed. And that is followed by the nasty tweets and the things about how, well, look at how ingrateful California is and look how magnanimous right. and, and amazing I am. And that's his MO. That's right. his MO no matter where he goes. And certainly, uh, we now live in an age where requiring the president, this president, to go anywhere after a natural disaster is simply counterproductive. So as far as I'm yeah. concerned with this guy, more golf, please. Because <laughs> as long as he's golfing, he's not governing. And when he's governing he's ruining things and you know as as Rick Wilson often says on MSNBC and in fact I think he's releasing a documentary about this or either a documentary or a book it doesn't matter I I think he's calling it everything Trump touches turns to shit and I think that's <laughs> that's the guiding rule that's the result of what happens when Trump interferes and
0: besides when Trump goes golfing he can uh, romance Mitch McConnell so you know that's... that's
1: right and that brings us that brings us back to politics again so um this press conference yesterday i want to get into this in in great detail i've got the audio of him talking about uh uh, whether or not he calls the the families of killed in action soldiers and then throwing obama and previous presidents under the bus to cover up the fact that he didn't study for the essay exam uh in this case and so uh we're going to talk about that in a second but you mentioned mitch mcconnell and I don't know if you saw right. the video after yesterday's press conference in the Rose Garden wrapped up. But w- there were a few people making a big deal out of the fact that Trump and McConnell ascended the steps back up to the Oval Office. I think maybe there are six or seven steps from the Rose Garden up to the Oval. We're uh, right. up to the colonnade. I think the colonnade and then the Oval. And then what happened was, is Trump and McConnell like held each other's arms on the way up the steps. And the speculation Uh was that it's uh, that rumor that Trump is afraid of steps and slopes. Oh, <laughs> that he, oh. which the funniest thing in the world is seeing Anthony Atamanik on the President Show at a crosswalk at an intersection, the little uh, disabled ramp that goes down to the crosswalk. <laughs> honk, honk, goes the truck, like like down on all fours, trying to crawl <laughs> down the slope. And uh, and in this case, the speculation was, oh, there he is, go- there he is again. Trump afraid of walking up a set of steps. I so, see. No, I didn't see this. So so Mitch McConnell had to help him. Now, my question actually is, was McConnell helping Trump or was Trump helping McConnell? Because I do know that Mitch McConnell at one point had uh, polio. I think he had polio as a teenager or as a young boy.
0: Oh, yeah, because he because government health care helped him out with that. Yeah, (laughs) that's right. That's right. Yeah.
1: And so I don't know if it was a consequence of his polio that he was maybe having trouble going up the stairs and Trump was helping him or again, if it was Trump's. Phobia (laughs) is
0: either way. It could have been the lame leading the lame at that point. (laughs) That's right. So that is, or or they have the kind of relationship that he that Trump doesn't
1: have with Melania. I one of the
0: two. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) because I never see them on each other's
1: arms. And and the way it looked, Trump's arm was over McConnell's arm, from what I recall. So that leads that leads me to believe that I think it was I think it was Trump. I think it was Trump requiring assistance going up the stairs and. I, you know, this is completely inconsequential, the whole idea of Trump being afraid of stairs and slopes. I just like st- saying that Trump is afraid of stairs and slopes. Wrong. Think something, there's something entertaining about the idea well, that this tough-talking asshole is afraid of something as commonplace as... Something simple
0: and benign, yeah. Stairs,
1: <laughs> stairs and slopes. Donald well, Trump... Well, he, he should be concerned
0: because he's on a slippery one as far
1: as... I'm concerned.
0: Wrong. Wrong.
1: <laughs> ha, well, hey, Buzz, guess what? Yeah, you know, but- I, as I was assembling my go bag, uh-huh. guess what made it into my go bag? Guess what I would have rescued had I been evacuated in the fires?
0: What did you actually take?
1: I actually took my my Harry's razor, of course. Well, because
0: sure. You want to because in in a crisis, you want to look your best. <laughs> That's
1: exactly right. I wasn't about to walk around this crisis with an unshaven face, and I certainly wasn't going to walk around with razor burn and all the other crap that goes along with using no. those uh, disposable blades or the uh, the blades that you find in the glass cases at the uh, big box stores. I was going to have my Harry's razor with me to make sure that I was at least presentable, uh, if not covered in ash. I'd at least have, you know, something. <laughs> Uh, presentable about me, a cleanly shaved Good on you. Good on you, Bob. Yep, yep. And that is, of course, uh, thanks to uh, Harry's Razors. I love Harry's Razors, the the hefty, balanced handle that fits in your hand, the precision engineered five-blade cartridges that come with a trimmer blade, a lubricating strip, and a travel cover. And I love Harry's rich lathering shave gel, which also made it (laughs) Which also made made it it into my go bag, of course.
0: Well, of course. And, you know, I don't know if you know this, Bob, but it all started when a couple of regular guys named Jeff and Andy got tired of getting ripped off on blade prices. Yep. So they, they said, let's fix shaving. It's- and they started, they said, well, to do that, you cut out the middleman. They bought their own factory. It's a place that's been making engineered blades for over a century. And now they can ship them right from the factory to you without the annoying middleman.
1: Right. Result, the result right here is quality products at your door for half of what you've been paying. Just half. And that's the hairy Ow. story. Become a, become a part of it. Jeff and Andy are so confident that you love their products. They want you to go to harrys.com right now to sample their trial shave set for free. It's a $13 value, but all you pay is the shipping. Sign up at harrys.com slash bobc. Again, that's harrys.com slash bobc. And just because you listen to this show, Jeff and Andy will even throw in a free post-shave bomb. It's the mother of all bombs, But only if there you log go. on to... Harrys.com slash B-O-B-C. That's Harrys.com slash B-O-B-C. The Bob Seska Show.
0: The Bob Seska Show, presented by
1: BubbleGenius.com. Welcome back to our Tuesday show. We're back. Everything's back to normal. I'm just, uh... I'm giving normalcy a big tongue kiss right now. That's, that's oh, yeah. kind of gross. I don't, I don't know why that came out of my mouth. but <laughs> That's all right. I think it's okay to lust for normalcy. <laughs> I, I'm extremely lustful for normalcy at this point right now. Oh, by yeah, the way, listen up. We're doing a huge push for our Patreon page. My goal is to bring in enough new subscribers right now. ...to add a special Wednesday show. Well, it won't be special. It'll just be like any other show, but it'll be on Wednesday. And if everyone Gosh. listening right now signed up for just $1 a month, we'd far exceed our goal. Also, let's talk about subscribing for $15 a month, our top level. That's just $1.88 per show. Just $1.88 per show. It's a bargain at twice the price. We pass the savings on to you. So, in addition to the free Tuesday and Thursday shows, you'll get two post-mortem shows a week, plus the Friday after-party every week, and my exclusive reading of the Steel dossier for free... And we'll take out all the commercials from the uh, the free shows, too. But all of you wow. sign up at $15 a month. Just go to com and click the all-caps Patreon link beneath the logo at the top of the page. And please tell all your friends. All right. Yeah, so.
0: exactly. Help a brother out and uh, you know, spread this idea around. Get some other people signed up.
1: Oh, good Lord. During the impromptu fire break that I had, we wow. gained, I think, something like 25 new subscribers. I, I was, I, I've never seen anything like it ever since the... Uh, patreon page first started i think i think we've always uh you know averaged, you know a good number of subscribers every week but nothing ever like this since we first started the thing so uh, th- I, that really that really says something because that says uh, people
0: said to themselves, "Oh crap, we we have to we have to help this guy because we have to <laughs> we want to keep this show." That's what they're saying is we don't want to lose this show, yeah. and so if there's anything we can do to help to, to keep it going, and this sure does. And if you, you find yourself having a hard time getting from the Tuesday show to
1: the Thursday show, well, the Wednesday show would be your solution. There, there you go. You know, people come for the politics and they stay for the personal drama on this show. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, That's if right. It's, if it's not co-hosts dying, there's usually a- a computer meltdown or a giant fire that will <laughs> spice yeah. things up on yeah. the proceedings. Okay, so uh, Donald Trump had a big press conference yesterday. Um, hmm. You know, by the way, I do want to talk about CSRs. We can get to that in a bit, but uh, yes, of course, in this press conference with Mitch McConnell yesterday, where one or the other had to help the other up the stairs. We don't know. Sure, that's a that's an unanswered question at this point. But mean on me, <laughs> it's exactly <laughs> right. So uh, first of all, I'll bet you a thousand dollars. That Donald Trump doesn't know the names of the Green Berets who were killed in Niger, uh, nor does he know the actual number of Green Berets who were killed uh, in Niger for some reason that the White House is making unclear. We don't know why they were even there.
0: I, you know, I, I'm not a betting man, but if I were, I wouldn't make that bet. Uh, <laughs> no, yeah, I'm, I'm sure you're absolutely correct about that.
1: There's so much, and it becomes apparent every day. There's so much he doesn't know. Trump knows nothing. Bear that in mind, and you'll get through any situation, and you'll be able to predict oh. what he's going to say. <laughs> Yeah, it explains everything. Yeah, it really does. Really, really does. So uh, in and amongst this ridiculous press conference yesterday, because they're all ridiculous, this is one of those things, uh, this run occurred, and it was one of those things that, to me, goes down in the upper echelon of Trump fuck-ups, where this goes along with uh, Serge Kovaleski and mocking Serge Kovaleski. It goes along with, I like heroes who aren't captured. It goes along with uh, screaming at the Gold mm-hmm. Star Khan family. It, uh, it goes along with uh, saying that the not there were good people among the Nazis in Charlottesville. And this is one of those events yesterday where he was talking about this thing. It was so obvious to, I think, everyone watching, me included, is that he did not contact the families? He has not spent any time thinking about what happened in Nigeria with these Green Berets. This was right. Donald Trump, and this is something that Ches and I have been talking about for a year and a half. This is Donald Trump, like a fifth grader trying to answer an essay exam question. Yes, thank you. Without was, that's having the point, without having point studied at all.
0: That's the, that's yeah. the point I was going to make. Listen to you know he's used to tweeting. And then walking away and not looking at the responses. Yep. I, somebody else. He has somebody else look at the responses. Yep. He just he just does the tweeting. He speaks, and then the king returns inside the castle and yep. and doesn't hear doesn't hear anything else. Uh, you will hear him grope for words and phrases. Now he's never been able to string a sentence together <laughs> properly, but you will hear him grope for phrases. And also listen as you listen to this tape of him. Trying to slip out from under the thumb that's coming down upon him. That's right. Uh, Listen to how he adjusts his language as the pressure. On him to revert to the truth increases.
1: Yeah, and not to mix metaphors, but another one you'll you'll kind of get a sense of here is uh-huh. if you've ever been behind on a utility bill payment, <laughs> and and they call and they harass you, you say, oh yeah, the, I, I just mailed out the check today. Can't you extend the right. the cutoff right. line for another uh, uh, twenty four hours? And that that's what he does. Uh, oh oh, the 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 soldiers who were killed. Oh, those letters are going out today or tomorrow. Yeah, uh, that's when yeah. they're going out. That's right. when I meant to send them out. Here's a uh, so, li- yeah. Listen for those things as you. Yeah, yeah. Here, yeah. Right, especially that last thing. Uh, I've written
2: them personal letters. Uh, they've uh. been sent, or they're going out tonight. But they were written during the weekend. Uh, I will <laughs> at bullshit. some point during the the period of time call the parents and. Uh, the families sometime during the period of time Now think it. about that phrase sometime during the period, <laughs> during the period, of, period time.
1: of time. <laughs> That's the he is bullshit. He is bullshitting that this is the bullshittiest bullshitting he's ever ever done sometime during that period during this period. What period of time? It was what yeah. 13 14 days ago when they were killed. What what what's the Well, we should ask Larry David. What's the etiquette for writing to <laughs> families he had of to be slain ended. soldiers?
0: He had to be asked about uh, this, about the incident, because he has not tweeted or talked about the incident at all, yeah. uh, and, and so he had to be asked about it. Uh, so, yeah, it's it's questionable as to whether or not he'd even give it any thought. Now, contrast that to the fact that the U.S. government is now launching an investigation into that incident, yep. uh, and, and th- this is being done not because of the president, but almost uh, – in spite of him, without
1: his knowledge, certainly. Oh, yeah, yeah, and that's happening left and right. I think Mm -hmm. all the people around him, and in fact, we've got a story by the Washington Post talking about how uh, the White House staff, the people in the executive branch, are maintaining some sort of cohesion by walling Trump off and acting Mm -hmm. as a... I, literally acting as a yeah. firewall between him and what a, right. what policies are implemented and how yeah. they're implemented. This thank, is thank good thank
0: goodness even even the ones who aren't necessarily on our side are helping us out by keeping him
1: from doing the really crazy thing truly unprecedented. Let's continue with this because I have done
2: that traditionally. Yeah, sure. Uh, I felt very very badly about that. I always feel badly. It's it's the toughest the toughest calls I have to make.
1: So so here now, okay, this is classic whining, Donald Trump. This is mm-hmm. I I. I just barely bullshitted my way through that answer. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to pivot to something that people will talk about. Why don't I talk about how tough it is on me when soldiers are <laughs> yeah. killed. It makes my job so hard. Those yes. pesky soldiers and their they're killed in action status. Stop whining. It's oh uncomfortable and it's difficult and so I'm out. Literally the whiniest president in the history Oh. Of yeah. the presidency, I've never seen anything like this. And, Buzz, the irony is is that we're the snowflakes, right? The left right. are filled right. with the snowflakes. And this guy, <laughs> he can't go through a day without whining i mean just the whiniest diaper baby stop whining uh, uh, that i have ever seen on the national stage president or not this is you're the the only
0: you're the only commentator i hear talking about this you're absolutely spot-on correct here uh sadly you're the only guy talking about this i don't hear anybody else certainly not his supporters they don't they don't hear the whining. I hear the whining. I know that you are correct when you say he's whining. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's, I, there's no, but I no other commentators seem to point this out. I have uh, anecdotally, I've heard it pointed out that uh, he does make it a point to attack someone every time he speaks or tweets. Yeah. Uh, there's, there's always, there's always a a target, a person to blame. Uh, for every bit of whining, I guess, that he does.
1: Yep, 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 and it never stops. It never, ever stops. And I think it gets uh, sort of whitewashed with uh, the fact that he's so filled with grievances and his entire platform, his entire uh, Mm -hmm. agenda as president is based on grievances. And I think the grievances kind of absorb the whining into just a big ball of... Bitchiness. By the way, I think that right. might be the show title. Uh, big ball, guy, I like it. Big yeah, ball it of in. bitchiness. Stop whining. <laughs> Sorry for the alliteration. Let's get back to uh, Donald Trump here. Uh,
2: are the calls where uh, this happens? Soldiers are killed. Yeah, uh, it's a very difficult thing. Now it gets to a point where you know, you make four or five of them in one day is a very, very tough day. For me, that's by far the toughest. So the traditional way, if you look at uh, President Obama (laughs) and other presidents, most of them, didn't make calls. A lot of them didn't make calls. Now, what is <laughs> right? What,
1: what is the <laughs> yeah. goddamn point of looping in? Uh, right, looping in uh, uh, Barack Obama into standard
0: the- standard tactic. It's not just me. It's all the other guys. I wasn't the only one doing it. Yep. Uh, it's it's that. It's it, again. It's that schoolboy mentality. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's just like uh you know, I remember when I was 17 years old, Bob cut your hair, Bob cut your hair. Oh, I should cut my hair. My friends are being a- arrested with drugs and you're t- attacking me for cut- not cutting my hair. That's it is oh my god, the yeah. the whining and whining and whining and whining and whining he is just Stop whining. This little bully Uh, He is still well from a a league of their own. You know, I I was mentioning to Kimberly there as we were sitting in the darkness here without uh, electricity all week. I said, you know, you know what my job is basically now? My job is basically to come up with all new metaphors to describe Donald Trump. I'm I'm reaching the bottom of the adjective barrel at this point (laughs) because it's (laughs) it's constantly coming up with new ways to describe how despotic and terrible and stupid he is. And we just, should
0: we should log them somehow, have some kind of book of descriptions. <laughs>
1: That's right. I'll go through the archives and and pick them all out.
2: Good God. I like to call when it's appropriate, when I think I'm able to do it. Uh, they have made the ultimate sacrifice. So generally I would say that I like to call I'm going to be calling them. I want a little time to pass. I'm going to be calling them. I uh-huh. have, as you sure. know since I've been president I have. Yeah. Uh, but You're in digging. addition uh, I actually wrote letters individually to the uh, soldiers we're talking about, and they're going to be going out either today or tomorrow. Yeah, he
1: just keeps repeating yeah. himself, says the same uh-huh. thing over and over again. Just choose the soldiers. Words. The soldiers
0: we're talking about.
1: That's, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's that, right. You know. And by the way, you know the soldier. The names of the soldiers aren't very difficult to memorize. It's actually pretty straightforward. One soldier's name was Wright. The other one's name was Black. And then the other two were Johnson and Johnson. So you can very- Oh my god, they couldn't be easier to remember. <laughs> you no, know, right, Black, Johnson, and Johnson. Right. That is it. And and this guy, he couldn't come up with those names. So of course he keeps repeating the same sentence over and over again. Yes, the check is in the mail. Please don't shut off my electricity. That is that is what Donald Trump was doing yesterday, stalling and then turning the narrative into something else where instead if he of- had
0: cared if he had cared about this incident about this terrible incident and about these deaths in the first place, yeah he would just already naturally know this stuff right Obama Obama knew this stuff when when things like this happened something horrible happened Obama could from memory tell you the names of the people who died in that and and you know he he made those calls but uh you know he was aware of those developments those incidents as they developed as the information developed on them and so he was constantly up to date on the whole story and was therefore if he had been blindsided then by a question at a news conference about it he would already know the answer (laughs) this guy
1: doesn't know the answer
0: because he never
1: cared Mm -hmm. right and also there's a potential real scandal here which is that first of all why were there green berets in Niger? right uh, there's, of course, the many comparisons to Benghazi at this point. Wh- uh-huh. Why were they there? Why didn't they have support? What happened? How were they killed? Were they left to be ambushed? There are a number of questions that should be raised by congressional investigators and in all Yeah, this. what about Niger? And what about his emails? Yeah, exactly <laughs> right. And, but, I mean, ultimately, th- we're not talking now. And this is why this is kind of the... The dumb strength of Donald Trump because he was able to take what would otherwise be a scandal involving. His, his own patriotism, for God's sake, he was mm. able to transform that into a discussion of, oh, there's Donald Trump throwing Obama under the bus again and we're all talking about which which uh, families of slain soldiers Obama called or didn't call and that is now, the, yeah. th- that is the day two debate after Trump said these things. Well, rather than, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. rather than the fact that he couldn't name who they were, he was clearly bullshitting about having to write to them and and call them I, and so I'm on. Go-
0: I'm going to, I did I'm going to. I'll do it later. Yeah. I do it. You know, it's all those things. Well, that's 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 the bullshit answer of somebody who's lying. Yep. Uh, and and making it up as he goes along. And, and I told you, the 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 more he talks, the 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 dig, the deeper he digs himself. Uh, you know, into that, in into proving that he's not prepared to talk about this at all. It's it's just astounding that he can mm-hmm. uh, care so little, because like I said, if he cared, he would know. This is a, a huge scandal. It will be investigated. What the hell were we doing there? And uh, I, I, if I just picture President Obama, for example, in that position, his answer might be very guarded and it might be very short. But he would have an answer and he would know the facts and you would know that he knew the facts.
1: Well, what we do know, I think, in a general sense about how military operations occur under Donald Trump is that he has given carte blanche to the military to make their own choices. He's no right. longer involved in those decisions. Like, I don't think Donald Trump sat in the situation room like uh, like President Bartlett in the West Wing and, you know, pouring over decisions as to whether to commit troops or not. Uh, he just said, you know, I don't care. I, this is it. i don't deal with this stuff. I deal with the big picture. I'm making America great again, and that's right. and that's what he does. so i I think in this in the course of investigating what happened in Niger, we're going to find out that Donald Trump was completely disengaged. In fact, that we're going to find out that he had no no connection whatsoever with the decision to do this that he just gave the pentagon uh, a blank check just go and do what you need to do that's in fact uh, you know i joke about the mother of all bombs during our harry's commercials right the mother of all bombs had nothing to do with donald trump this is a military right. decision to deploy this weapon in afghanistan and uh, and well, that's what we up get getting yeah
0: you got a new fire, you know. You're the military. You got a new firecracker. You want to set it off somewhere, you know. <laughs> you want to right. do, so, and that's and that's really one of the dangers of letting the military run things. Although, yeah. as you and I discussed before on many matters, I right now trust them more than I trust the president. Yeah. Uh, but 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 he does go to those situation room meetings, but he doesn't listen. He he comes in and makes pronouncements. He uh criticizes his his joint chiefs of staff. Uh, is uh, security advisors uh, the nation's generals uh but but he does not hear them. They try to brief him on what they're doing and he gets sidetracked or he gets them sidetracked uh yeah, so they they pretty much have to function on their own uh he's still. Has contact with them, but it's really a one-way conversation, him
1: to them, and not the other way around. Well, one of the things he likes to do after he has those meetings is he likes to talk about the things that people didn't know about before that meeting. you know, many many people didn't know. Many people nobody or nobody. Sometimes nobody. Nobody. Nobody knew. Yeah, yeah. Nobody knew this crap was so difficult. Yeah, that's (laughs) that's uh, that's one of his verbal tics. He's he's so obvious. I think that's one of the main things. Buzz is just his. His ineptitude, his in- incompetence, is just so fully on display. It's almost, you know, some days I go, well, "Wow, this is almost too easy." Under normal comedic circumstances, mm-hmm. I wouldn't be right. going after this because it's such low-hanging fruit. But it, it really. But the really stakes is. have never,
0: the stakes have never been this high. Oh, I mean, God, our no. our very national security, <laughs> our safety, our health. Uh, our, you know, well, if you can stop there. Uh, they're yeah. they're all at risk. Uh, and and well rights we we have to include uh, you know rights uh, that that have been curtailed uh, or or in the process of being curtailed by this administration yep so those are those are some pretty basic things that's your your life liberty and pursuit of happiness right there
1: yeah and it's all happening based on his stupid interpretation of how negotiations are supposed to go a lot of this is Trump put being crazy that's I'm gonna put everyone off balance and act crazy and that includes Kim jong-un that includes uh, all kinds of foreign policy decisions certainly uh, in the case of Europe certainly with the American people and that's why this president presidency is so utterly destructive because not only are our giant parts of the nation dealing with natural disasters and, and and quite frankly even without any natural disasters we all have our own day-to-day problems we're all Struggles. Yeah. yeah we're we're holding our families together and trying to hold on to our jobs and so on and get health care yeah. and what have you and and this guy is shoving his giant pumpkin head into our into our bedrooms into our living rooms Every goddamn day, 12, 16 hours a day in some cases. And I hope at some point in the bigger picture, people just get such vicious Trump fatigue that he is just systematically drummed off the national stage, tarred and feathered and ridden out of Washington on a rail and and that I'm, can't I'm, happen I, soon enough.
0: Man. Yeah, and on that subject, I have something I want to ask you. Do you want to do that now, or do we have something we need to do? Uh, well, we have a couple minutes uh, before the next. Okay, break, let me. So, let, oh, yeah. good. Well, that's that's perfect. Then let me ask you this, uh, and it has to do with your level of optimism at this point, uh, whether or not we're going to get this guy. I always, you know, I always laugh when uh, John Oliver hits the big red button and and declares we got, we him! got him. We got, we got him. him and then and only to discover we, we really didn't. Yeah. Uh, but uh, you know what are the what are the prospects we're going to see that moment? I here, what I'm reading and it sort of set up the question here is that uh, Republicans in Congress especially in the House have grown weary of the fact that Trump hasn't accomplished anything. Yeah. and that he badmouths them and you have to remember when he badmouths a congressman or a senator he's not just badmouthing that one congressman or senator he he's offending he's not just offending them he's offending their friends and their mentors or the people they mentor uh you know or other members of that particular caucus yeah. uh you know and and that that's going to hurt him if if the the house tips democratic as it well could Next year, uh, we're going to have unhappy Republicans plus a Democratic majority, which to me says impeachment, uh, at least the trial in the House, if if not the, the conviction in the Senate. Yeah. But we would at least have impeachment at that point, which would at least— freeze the Trump agenda mm-hmm. uh, and and paralyze this White House so uh, you know that's kind of you know I'm hoping that there's some truth in that that uh, that's still a quite a long time to wait uh, and and I hope uh, that something will happen before that what's your assessment of our chances of being able to get rid of this guy, as you mentioned.
1: Well, I've got two different levels for that. I Basically two different answers. The main answer is basically the conventional wisdom answer, which is that uh-huh. Donald Trump's going to have to sink a lot lower in the approval polls before the Republicans turn on him in Congress.
0: Yeah, and I see he's holding steady in the latest.
1: Yeah, right. He continues to hover around 36, 30, yeah. maybe 38 mm-hmm. on a during a good week. I think that's been artificially sustained by the number of uh, disasters that have occurred over the past several mm-hmm, weeks, uh, certainly perhaps. throughout September. And that's, I think, artificially inflated his approval numbers. But I think we're going to see that drop down a little more. I I just don't know if it's even possible for him to drop below 30, which is where that's been sort of my litmus test. Between 25 and 30% approval, that's where yeah. the Republicans really start to cut bait. And, and beyond anecdotal situations like Bob Corker or Jeff Flake, this is going to be a situation where, I I think you're going to see a mass exit. It's because because it's going to be extra challenging for them in uh, in in the midterms next year, about about a year from right now. Yeah, they
0: want to get reelected, and with Donald Trump, with no Trump accomplishments to point to, and with think of this too: how many Republican candidates for reelection? I've had something bad either said or tweeted about them by right. President Trump right. and, and how that material can be used in campaign ads against them. And also bear in mind that these Republicans running for reelection, uh, many of them are not just running against a Democrat, they're running against a Democrat
1: and whoever Steve Bannon is running. <laughs> that's exactly right. I mean, that's the, the big X factor is whatever Steve Bannon's doing it over at Breitbart. I mean, that's a whole other Uh, source of undermining everyone from Trump on down to every House member running for re-election next year. That is Mm going to be, I mean, Steve Bannon is just a, a, a berserker. I refer to Donald Trump for the longest time as being a berserker, as someone who's unpredictable, who's a crazy bomb set off in a small room, who's a, a giant harpooned whale f- f- flailing around in a swimming pool. But it's really also Steve Bannon. That's the other really unpredictable aspect about what's going to go down next year, uh, apart from Russia, uh, of course. But I you know, I think the l- second level of the answer to your question, Buzz, is I think I'd like to believe that the Republicans in Congress, mainly Paul Ryan of all people, are paying lip service to Donald Trump to keep their noses out of his Twitter feed, all the right. while doing something similar as the rest of the White House staff, which is quietly and, and maybe in a, well, obviously, secretly. Uh, do, working to box Trump in to make sure that he doesn't get the power to do this or that. I mean, I know, isn't there legislation going around right now that would prevent him from engaging a first strike scenario with nuclear weapons. I think there's a bill like that going through Congress. Right.
0: And I, I, you know, they, I mean, we heard in the very early days that even uh, our top national security people, when Trump first took office, weren't telling him everything yeah. because they, they didn't trust him and they didn't know what he might tell the Russians. And right. they were, in retrospect, very wise to do that. Uh, there have been other instances where he, uh, Trump has just been bypassed completely on some of these things. And we're, again, grateful to that, uh, to the career uh, government workers and uh, to the uh, v- veteran and more traditional uh, lawmakers in Congress uh, to try to keep those things in check when they when they uh, were dealing with uh, Russian sanctions. Yeah. when they one part of that bill that they made Trump sign uh, <laughs> r- uh, required uh, required approval for him to do anything in terms of of sanctions that uh, they wanted to make sure that he couldn't increase or re- return or add new sanctions, and so they put specific language of the bill to to tie his hands on sanctions uh, against Russia uh, or removing any of them.
1: Well, there's cold comfort, I think, in this theory, Buzz, insofar as uh, just knowing that his staff and maybe Republicans on the Hill uh, understand that this guy needs to be boxed in because he's crazy just right. knowing that they are acknowledging on some level that this is an incompetent mm-hmm. president who needs to be managed, who needs to be closed in, he needs to be uh, sort of sealed off in his own little hermetically uh, contained padded room of insanity, and uh, and that's- well, I've, I've yeah, and I've said
0: it all along. For Republicans, Trump is their cover, and so yeah. they've known all, pretty much all along that he's nuts. Uh, <laughs> but but they've thought, well, great, that'll keep folks busy while we get done the stuff we've been wanting to get done all these years, of course, that hasn't worked out for them, yep. you know, which has got to make them terribly frustrated and so without without Trump's cover, without Trump contributing to what they were trying to do, but in many cases working against them and belittling them, uh, they're not I just you know there's not a lot of enthusiasm there, a lot of trust, and I think there's growing concern among Republicans that this guy might uh, when you weigh cost versus benefit. This guy might not be worth it i and the only other thing I would ask is is what about what about the Mueller investigation? It seems he's come a long way. I know that there's still uh, some work to do, but I know that uh, things continue to tumble in or tumble out as we as we learn more about it, but uh, as I said before, a year or so seems like a long time to wait yep. for Congress to turn over uh, to make impeachment possible. Uh, is there any chance Mueller can save us before then?
1: Yeah, well, you know, I, I think about this too, Buzz, insofar as uh, the 2014 midterms, if you recall, in late 2013, mm. we had a big government shutdown and mm. everyone blamed the Republicans it was about this time, this time yes. of year mm. in 2013. Mm. Huge government shutdown. It was a, it was a PR disaster <clears throat> for the congressional Republicans. And yet they ended up gaining seats a year later in the 2014 midterms. So we're still... Mm a little early for big events to impact how the midterms are going to end up turning out. But I, I, obviously we can, and again, this is cold comfort. We can rest assured knowing that Donald Trump is going to keep the madness on the front page. And that is going to, I I really hope turn into a disaster next year.
0: I think, I think 2018 is going to be more like 2010. And what I mean by that is, uh, I think there's going to be enough voter anger of folks like you and I and, uh, the people who are listening and our, our social media friends, and for that matter, perhaps a majority of the American people uh, are going to be angry enough to make it a point to go to the polls and to make it a point uh, to uh, move against uh, Trump and the Republicans to try to weaken Donald Trump. Yeah. And, uh, I, 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 you know, this is my merry sunshine again. I think they're <laughs> going to succeed.
1: Yeah, I you know it's 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 entirely possible. I I think that's uh that's again the best news that we could possibly have in this uh horrible horrible dark ride of the Trump years is to get uh, a, a Democratic Congress, at least a Democratic House of Representatives, as a stopgap to, to increase right. and thicken the walls of security around Donald Trump, uh, you know, join whatever Republicans who are trying to sabotage secretly and internally. Uh, the Democrats can, they can win back the House. But the, yeah. I mean, the enthusiasm has got to be massive. We have Russia to overcome. We have voter suppression to overcome, voter ID mm. to overcome, voter purges right. to overcome, uh, yep. gerrymandering to overcome and and these are massive odds i mean it's entirely possible that the democrats will win a majority of the votes nationwide and still not take back congress That's yeah the because nothing
0: regret. nothing has been done certainly nothing by this administration yeah. to protect us against future russian interference that we know for a fact took place absolutely okay one last break
1: and we'll wrap up the show right after these words Bob Seska!
0: This is the Bob Seska Show, presented by BubbleGenius.com.
1: Welcome back to our Tuesday show. Thank you for joining us. Please be sure to go shopping through our Amazon link at BobSeska.com. We're way, way behind our our quota for this month. So, good God. While you're listening to the show, if you want to buy yourself some fun things, go to uh, Amazon.com through our link. It's just beneath the logo at BobSeska.com. You go shopping. And uh, you help support the show. Thank you for doing that. Make sure to bookmark me, it too. By the way,
0: let, let me ask you this, Bob: Did you find yourself buying anything from Amazon before or immediately after? Uh, you know what you've just been through. The reason I say that is because uh, you know the hurricane uh, made me realize: well, there are a couple of things I need that I didn't have yeah. that I want to have. You know, the next time something like this happens, yep. whether it's a tornado or, or you know a fire, earthquake, whatever. Uh, you know, and, and so I did actually pick up some things through Amazon afterward, but I also had, because of this, the two day delivery, I actually got some things and I had the notice, you know, I actually <laughs> got some things that I needed like a, a big, uh, cooler, a big water cooler, yeah. you know, like they use on construction sites to, to provide water, drinking water. Oh yeah. I, I got, I got one of those uh, in two days in time to ahead of the hurricane when we were busily stocking up water.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, there were a number of things that I wish I had purchased before all this went down. I mean, first, some some LED lanterns. I mean, one of the Mm -hmm. things that became invaluable is we ended up buying some LED flashlights and right. which are super bright. Which these uh, just a little flashlight will illuminate an entire room with the LED mm-hmm. uh, light inside, and will last forever. I mean, those uh, LEDs go yes. on forever. And just to have some lanterns to put around would have been would have been nice. And the other thing that I, I wish I would have picked up from Amazon.com is a uh, a lithium ion generator uh, to to plug in uh, rechargeable cell phones and things like that to be able to have that power source. Because, the, I mean, the great irony, and I think I talked about this on my, my show last week when I, was, when I did my show in my car, and right. I, I mentioned that the irony is is that this f- firestorm was probably exacerbated by the climate crisis, and the irony mm-hmm. is, is that in order to charge up my cell phone, I had to sit in my car pumping uh, greenhouse gases into the environment in order to recharge my cell phone.
0: I know, I know. Yeah, that's true, and that was a problem here, too. Oh, yeah. Uh, but, but yeah, I did have the LED lights, which I did get uh, from Amazon, and so... Uh, it's nice to have them. I actually had studio little camera lights uh, oh. that that have a lot of LEDs in them, and and you could point one of those upward. You know, these are bright TV lights, and you could point one up to the ceiling, and it would uh, light the entire room. Oh yeah, yeah, and it's <laughs> and you know
1: what thing. too? The LED light, the one thing about the LED light, it's very dreamlike. The the lighting it makes everything look like you're having some bizarre dream. This. This, this looks all familiar, but why is the lighting different? Everything looks weird right. and shadowy now. Yeah. And it was, uh, different a different light. Yeah, just increased the uh, s- surreal nature of everything that was going down. Okay, so one thing I wanted to follow up on real quick before we uh, wrap up the show. If you recall a couple of weeks ago, I forget how long ago it was, I was mentioning Lee Stranahan and, Bre- oh, yes. and Breitbart and the fact mm-hmm. that this guy, my former podcast partner in 2009, went on to become a, uh, a, a minion, a, a myrmidon of, uh, of of Andrew Breitbart, and became a conservative and is now one of the chief uh, uh, Trump trolls on the Breitbart mm. side. He's also he's also now working for Sputnik. He's doing mm-hmm. a, a a drive time radio show in Washington right. D.C. for the sure. Sputnik radio network which is by the way co-hosted by a guy guy named garland nixon whose show i have also been on uh and who is now like one of these guys who's are you causing you're actually causing this aren't you yeah you know it's like guys (laughs) who turn women into lesbians just because they're so terrible
0: uh you turn guys into conservatives (laughs) just stop it just stop it
1: Uh, exactly so i mean uh, there's a new article by Yahoo News. Uh, Michael Isakoff is the co-writer with uh, Hunter Walker on this thing. FBI right. document cash sheds light on inner workings of Russia's U.S. news and propaganda network. Sputnik, right. this 103-page uh, uh, handbook for publications of Sputnik's Kremlin-owned parent company, Rosilia Segondia. I don't know even how to pronounce that, made it clear right. that traditional journalistic neutrality was not the company's mandate. Instead- right. Sputnik reporters were told they should provide readers, quote, with a Russian viewpoint on issues and maintain allegiance to Russia. Right. Our, our main goal, it says in the handbook, our main goal is to inform the international audience about Russia's political, economic, and ideological stance on both local and global issues, the guide reads. To this right. end, we must always strive to be objective but we must also stay true to the national interest of the Russian Federation, which... Right. Not in that order. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. So that objective shit that they were just talking about, fuck that. Right. It's all about the interest of the of the RU, right? Uh, right. And so when you hear Lee Stranahan, who's, by the way, still trying to bait me on on Twitter. I, I don't know if <laughs> I mentioned to you, Buzz, but I got a... Uh, an email from Lee's producer wanting me to be on the show, which I... Well, of course you did. I immediately refused, <laughs> of course, because I'm not going to be drawn into that troll uh, uh, right. Mobius strip of insanity. No. and uh, and But, I mean, he'll, of course, he'll swear up and down, and I'm sure Garland Nixon will do the same, and whoever else is affiliated with Sputnik in the United States and say that, oh, this isn't a Russian propaganda outlet. <laughs> no, absolutely it's, not. It's,
0: it's only named after the Russian sp- uh, satellite Sputnik. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's right. Oh, and by the way, we have an employee handbook that says we our prime directive is to promote the interests of Russia. All right. I mean how I mean how could it be anything else? How could how could Lee Stranahan be doing anything other than I mean he said he said when this was first reported in the New York Times magazine, he said his whole point of going to Sputnik was to deliberately troll the left. Like, oh I'm just gonna stir up controversy by getting a job at Sputnik and But, you know, you don't do that. And people who are looking for work don't take jobs simply to troll other people. That just, I mean, Buzz, would you you seriously do that? Would you take a gig somewhere just to troll other people?
0: I I wouldn't, but I know people who would.
1: Wow. Wow. (laughs) I mean, you want to talk about privilege. I mean, to to be able to just make life choices like that based on the people you're going to piss off by doing it. Mm-hmm. I mean, and not even really think about whether or not you're going to enjoy the job, whether or not it's going to be fulfilling or pays well. Oh, well, it'll...
0: you will because the kind of person who takes that job enjoys trolling. <laughs>
1: there you go. I guess, I guess Trust that's me, the end. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, you know, and of course, Lee's done uh, bigger things too. I mean, just by by being such a name throughout the 2008 campaign on the left in support of uh-huh. Barack Obama. And then Weird. just pulling, yeah, just a complete one, a flipping the script and becoming a uh, a Breitbart troll. After that, that's it's just, normal. Yeah, totally, totally normal. There's nothing wrong with him at all. <laughs> all right, so uh, that is the show. We got the postmortem show coming up. I want to talk mm-hmm. about, of course, uh, Harvey Weinstein. Right? Hi, Harvey. Yes. yes hi-, hi, Harvey and uh and so much more surrounding that it was just the biggest bullshit issue that i've seen and i'm glad i was away for a week but i, I have a couple of things to say uh, about that coming up yeah i'd like to hear those make sure to support our patreon page of course as i said earlier we're doing a big push uh subscribe right now especially at the 15 dollar level because you get everything plus i take some extra time here in the afternoon and take all the commercials out for your listening enjoyment so go to uh BobSuska.com. Click the all caps Patreon link just beneath the logo on the top of the page. And please spread the word after you're done signing up. One last little favor. Make sure to post it on uh, Twitter and on Facebook and Instagram and whatever the hell else you're doing. And tell all your friends, huh? Yeah, tell your friends. Okay, Postmortem Show coming up next. Listen to Buzz Burbank News and comment on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, and at BuzzBurbank.com. Mm-hmm. And we'll see you all on Thursday. Jackie Schecker will be here. Take care, folks. Yeah. Bye-bye.